And basically, she was trying to say that he needed to send her some sort of verification from the hospital that I was there. What? (laughs) Man, that chick is cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related. Real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. David, you talk first this time. It's too late. You already started. No. Okay. Ready? Yeah. Hello and welcome to the podcast. No, David. You're supposed to say, hey, Lori. Oh. Hey, Lori. Hey, David. Don't you just love being quarantined with me? No. <laughs> Beam me up, Scotty. Beam me up. It's funny that when the school called and closed schools, of course, you know, my kids are, uh, you know, all grown and gone. Your kid gets to stay home for a couple weeks or so. And you're like, the look on your face was like, you got to be kidding me. I, I do not want to deal with this. <laughs> well, well, you know. <laughs> That's all I can say. So, I mean, this whole coronavirus thing, I think we're already hitting the I don't want to hear about it anymore stage. I know I am. But let's remind our listeners that we are recording this a week and a half before they hear it. Mm-hmm. So when they hear this, things could be a lot different. Or they're going to be a lot different. One way or the other, they're going to be a lot different. Right. So, yes, it, we're recording this on, uh, what's the date? 315. Yes. So just two days ago, I guess, our local schools announced that they were going to be closing for a couple of weeks. And then today you find out they've extended that a little bit longer. Well, the governor closed them for two weeks. They said they had to be shut down for 14 days. But then it looks like an announcement was made that they would be closed until the end of the month, which if you go through the end of March, then that's two extra days. Mm-hmm. I don't think they know what they're going to do. Well, it's it's one of those catch-22 things. Like, if if they have a big, huge response to it, which is kind of where they're going, you know, they're shutting down so much, uh, so many businesses and things. If they do that, then you're going to have some people that's going to accuse the government or those people making those decisions in business or school or whatever. They're going to be accused of taking taking radical steps. Mm-hmm. The the problem with that is that we we won't know if the steps we took were overboard, but if we don't take steps that are extreme, then we will certainly know if we didn't go far enough. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I don't want to find out that we didn't do enough. I would rather be accused of doing too much. Um, but there there's a price that comes with that, and unfortunately, where we're seeing the price being paid right now is the lack of humanity. In my opinion, because if you're really concerned about not just yourself, but your fellow man, then you don't go and buy 1,700 bottles of hand sanitizer. Did you <laughs> read about the people that did that? No, I didn't read about it, but I, I heard about it. and I, I, just, I read about it. I just think that's completely ridiculous. And now they're stuck with it because Amazon won't sell it. Oh, good. Good. But, you know, everybody needs to go out and do what you feel is is best to protect you and to prepare for what's happening. But I just think it's crazy when people are going out and stockpiling things 
knowing that other people are are going to need stuff. It's, it's just. But people doing that makes other people want to stockpile it because they're afraid they're not going to get it when it comes back. Right. The the very thing that you're trying to avoid happening, which is a supply chain issue where things aren't available, that's the that's the thing you don't want to happen. But you're causing it to happen by your response. Right. Which <laughs> I, I tell you what though. Last couple of days, I've looked at toilet paper completely different. Uh, I don't look at toilet paper, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, David, you don't use toilet paper? No, I do not use toilet paper. Just, da- David doesn't use toilet paper, y'all. I do not. I think that if I had feces on my hands <laughs> and I took a piece of toilet paper and said and wiped it off and said, okay, I'm good, people would look at me like I was stupid. So why would I do the same thing to my precious booty? <laughs> but we don't have a bidet. We don't have a bidet, which means I use flushable wipes. <laughs> Y'all are learning way too much about us. <laughs> so for all you men out there who use flushable wipes like me, <laughs> no, I don't take bubble baths. <laughs> Thank goodness. We, we established that in the past episode. Yes. But no, I think it's, I don't know. That's just me and my choices. Um, been that way for a long, long time before they, but actually before it became popular. <laughs> so what did you do then? Baby wipes? Before they were flushable? Yeah. Things? Yeah, because baby wipes are, have always been that way. But they're not flushable. They flushed. <laughs> and, I, and I know that that causes a whole nother problem. Uh-huh. Yeah, I've, I've seen and heard, you know, people like, don't flush these things. They cause... All kind of stuff. I know they do, uh, but that was because it's happening now because so many people are now doing that. But you know, how do we get off on this? My choice of wipes, toilet paper. <laughs> well, here's my thing about the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Some people believe it's nothing more than the flu and don't understand the hype. Some believe it's tied to politics and is a hoax. It's tied to politics now for sure. Because but it's not it's not tied to the president of the United States. Right. I mean, it's all over the world. No, it's not a it's not a political anything. Well, that's our opinion. Some people will be they don't care. They're gonna make it a, a red or blue thing regardless. Right. Some people believe it's gonna cripple the economy. Some people believe it's something that could kill hundreds of thousands in the next several months due to lack of medical equipment to handle a huge influx of infected people at one time, thus the need to attempt to flatline the curve by closing schools and meeting areas of large numbers of people. And everybody's got their own opinion. Mm -hmm. Someone posted on Facebook, well, I've asked doctors and I've asked nurses and this is what they've told me. Well, then you go to somebody else's page and they say, I've asked doctors and I've asked nurses and this is what they told me. And it's completely opposite. Well, I don't want to disparage who people are talking to, but frankly, unless they are specifically in the field of infectious disease, I mean, they're just getting their information secondhand. Right. So I I think as with most things, there's a small number of people who are actually giving you good information because they know what's going on. Then it gets disseminated out from there. And hopefully it doesn't get added to, you know, it's kind of like that game you've ever played when you're just, 20 people in the room, you whisper something to the first person, you tell it to pass it on. And then by the time it gets to the end of the room, it's like, it's not even in remotely similar to what you said. Yeah, we talked about this before because I was one of those people that would change it on purpose. 
<laughs> well, I think you like have I that. would change it dramatically. Honestly, I think you have that. I think you have people who will hear something or read something, and even they even know that they're embellishing too much and they're adding things to it to make it sound bigger and crazier than it really is. And then you've completely changed. It's no longer facts at that point. And I mean, I've seen it in all kinds of things, but the problem we have too, is just the response. You know, you mentioned that people are scared that it's going to cause all kinds of economic problems. And, and it is. And the reason why it is, is because of people's response to it. Right. But you have people that, are different. I mean, we know this. Everybody is wired differently. One of the questions they ask you on, I think it's the Enneagram test, is are you someone that tries to prepare for everything? Mm -hmm. Some people do. Some people are prepared for doomsday. They have a stockpile of stuff to where they can exist for six months. Yeah. And and those people are always called crazy until the day that you need to be able to survive for six months. (laughs) I remember my (laughs) ex-boss Apparently, he's one of those people. And I said, good, I know where to come. He said, I will shoot you in a second. It's <laughs> <That is> funny because <laughs> while everybody's, I don't know, I, I don't post a whole lot on my personal Facebook page or stuff like that, but I've had a couple of Facebook groups where uh, people posted crazy stuff about, you know, toilet paper and hand sanitizer. And I said, y'all go ahead. Y'all buy all the toilet paper you want because I'm buying ammunition. <laughs> there you go. Because we in the South. <laughs> but no, this reminds me of when you said that, about people taking things and embellishing and twisting things. There, not too long ago, there was a story about this little kid that had a disease that kept him little, almost like a dwarfism type thing. Mm -hmm. And he was picked on at school and his mom recorded him crying and he got a lot of publicity from it. And celebrities were raising money for him to go to Disney. And like they raised, I think it was like $350,000, something crazy. And then this one person posted on Facebook that this kid is a liar, that his mom's lying, that they did this just to get publicity. The kid's actually 18 years old and is an actor. Hmm. So anytime it was posted somewhere, somebody goes, oh, no, that's not true because, and then they would tie back to this one lady's comment. Mm -hmm. And come to find out the kid's not 18. He was at a birthday party for his brother that was turning 18. And so there were balloons that said 18 above him. (laughs) So one person started this whole thing that got people to think that they had donated to something that wasn't real and it was a hoax and they were being taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. The power of social media. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's also the power of suggestion, which gets back in, into not embellishing information, especially things like this. Because this is, I mean, it really is serious. Some people want to downplay it or whatever. I don't, it's still serious. It's still a virus. Even if it was the flu outbreak, it's still serious. And people who have compromised immune systems are very much at risk. People who have health issues are very much at risk. So you should absolutely take precautions, um, but just be careful of it. Let's talk a little bit about some of the things that we we're seeing, like um, people are posting things about whether or not their stepkids should come back from visitation uh, or come over for visitation because of things like this. Yes, people are concerned about whether they should exchange the stepkids like they normally would because they've been at Bio Moms for a week and the schools are closed down and they're supposed to come back to them on Monday and they don't know what to do because they've got young kids and they live in a small place or the stepmom's pregnant. So she doesn't want to be exposed to if the kid's been exposed and 
it just keeps going on and on and on. Mm-hmm. My first response was that you don't stop the kids from coming to your house because they could have been exposed to it because you're not quarantining yourself and the rest of your family. If you and the rest of your family are staying in your house 100%, you're not going to the grocery store, you're not going to the bank, you're not going to the Dollar General, you're mm-hmm. not going anywhere, then yes, you are keeping your family 100% confined. But if you're not doing that, then you are susceptible to getting the virus as much as, if not more, than letting the stepkid come over. Mm-hmm. Don't use it as an excuse not to allow the stepkid to come over. Right. That's true. I mean, you can be cautious. I mean, heck, one of my kids came over this weekend, and I'm not going to lie. There's a question like, oh, I'm I'm hoping he's not been exposed because he works in a fast food restaurant. <laughs> and, and he don't wash his hands. <laughs> you don't know that. <laughs> he, he washed his hands when I told him to earlier. But, um, I mean, yeah, he's coming over. And part of me is like, you know, I hope he's not been exposed or, or nothing. But I'm not going to tell him, look, I'm sorry, you can't come over until this thing blows over. It's funny you thought that because it didn't cross my mind, and I'm a germaphobe. Yeah, I thought that. I, I mean, I, but it's I, not well, like I dwelled on it. It was just like it popped in my head for, you know, and then I was like, ah, whatever. I mean, I'll deal with it. It crossed my mind when y'all were going to go visit your 90-something-year-old grandmother. Right. And that's kind of why the whole thing even started as far as my thought process is I knew that when he was coming over that we were going to go talk or going to spend some time with my grandmother. And so. Well, and the CDC is saying, now I'm getting this from the CDC, not from Delori. Delori DC. Box. <laughs> Delori thought box. That a pregnant woman, her unborn child is not exposed to the virus. It's not in breast milk. It's not in amniotic fluid. It's not in the umbilical cord, blah, blah, blah. Okay. However, somebody said, not the CDC, you notice I said that, but somebody said (laughs) that they know a lady that had it and her child was born with it. How true is that? I don't know. I give it zero credibility. Well, we could Google it. But if it doesn't come from a .gov or something website address, you don't know. Heck, even if it comes from .gov, you don't know. <laughs> well, if it's a if it's an influenza type virus, and I believe that's what it is from what little bit I've read, then I mean, can a if a mama has the flu, can the baby be born with the flu? I don't know. See, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know either. But going back to the response, okay, and you know, I think that. One of the things that people have the hardest time with is how do you properly respond to things? And interestingly enough, we talk about this all the time in the in the Nacho Kids Academy, but we're not talking about it from the <laughs> from the perspective of responding to a worldwide pandemic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's responding to things that are happening in your household. However, you have to think, even though this is a worldwide pandemic, you got to think about what are those things that I have under my control. Right. Those are the only things that you can do anything about. And if, if it's not under your control, then it's out of your control. Then there's nothing you can do about it. So there's no sense in worrying about it. There's no sense in having some kind of uh, anxiety because of what might be happening elsewhere. Right. I'm not saying not be prepared. I'm saying that if... Another country is having 
a hard time with this, or if a certain industry is having a hard time with this or whatever, I mean, those things are, you can't control it. There's nothing you can do about it. Right. And we have to remember that Italy is what, two weeks ahead of us with this? I believe so. So what they're experiencing is quite possibly what we could be experiencing. (laughs) By the time this is released. (laughs) Yeah, by the time this is released. But once again, you cannot control certain things. You can't control how to buy a mom, parents, or a kid. You can't control if the school shuts down for two weeks. Mm -hmm. What you can control is your reaction to it. If I sit here every second for the next two weeks and think, oh, my God, my son's here and he's driving me crazy. Or I think, you know, we're not going to have food and I need to be rationing toilet paper. And I see David blow his nose and I freak out and (laughs) tell him he could have just blew his nose in his hands and washed it. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) But it's how we let things affect our thinking. Change your focus. Quit reading all the Facebook posts about it. Be aware of what's going on, but you don't have to be consumed by it. Because some people, honest to goodness, are going to make themselves sick over worrying about this coronavirus. Yeah. To the point that they're so stressed, they can't get out of bed. Yeah. What was that you said before we started? I said, do you want to talk about the coronavirus? And you said, no, just hearing about this makes me sick. I said, see, the coronavirus is making you sick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it is. It's because everywhere that I've looked, and I've, I haven't really been on Facebook a whole lot the last couple of days, but, you know, I've been in the Facebook group, and I have a few people I follow, and they'll ask questions about, I don't understand why this virus is any different, and why the hype, and da-da-da-da. Well, I haven't been responding, because I'm not going to argue with you about it. I have no desire to argue with you about it. I don't know any more than anybody else knows about it because I'm getting my information from y'all and the media and everything. <laughs> yeah, and their reaction, at least right now, it's it's day to day. Like I see. Yeah, they sent out on Thursday. They sent a note out saying that they weren't going to shut down the school, but they were taking safety measures mm-hmm. and all this stuff. Well, by Friday afternoon, they were shutting down the school for two weeks. Exactly, and I've seen that with some businesses where. I'm not I'm talking about small business, like huge businesses and sporting venues. They're like literally one one day they're like, we're not closing. We're not, this is not going to affect us. And 24 hours later, they're doing the exact thing they say they wouldn't do. Mm-hmm. So this is very much a, a day-to-day thing. And it goes back to an abundance of caution and, you know, doing, you know, are you doing enough? And that's a hard question to answer because you'll never know until it's over with. And you can looking back, you'll never know if you've done enough or you didn't. Right. And this one thing that David sent me, what was it? The Joe Rogan podcast. Mm-hmm. It was a clip of it. I know it wasn't the whole thing because it was only 15 minutes. Um, I, I've never really listened to him, but he had some kind of, what did the guy call himself? A medical, oh goodness, detective, a medical detective. And I was listening to it and I'm like, well, that makes sense. And it could be, from what he said, three to seven months before we start seeing the real effects of this. Yeah. Well, we're going to see effects from it. Sometimes, Some of it's going to be physical effects, medical effects. Some of it's going to be economic effects. Well, I did hear that a local power company, not the one we use, but the one that other people use <laughs> around here, um, is not turning people's power off during this time if they can't pay their bill. The boot store Freebird that I love <laughs> sent out an email that they're shutting down all their stores for two weeks. You can still order online. Um, yeah, I think Nike's doing that too, I believe. Yeah, but 
they are paying their employees. Well, it goes back to how we kind of started this with the whole humanity of it. This is an opportunity for companies, for people, for individuals to either step up and show their humanity and how they deal with their employees and how they deal with the situation or how we deal with each other as people. Or it's going to give you an opportunity to show how you are so selfish and so narcissistic about yourself and your own needs that you're going to you're going to do things like stab somebody at Walmart for a bottle of water. Well, yeah, that's a <laughs> that's a bit extreme. But see, here's where because when you were saying that, I'm like, no, that's not necessarily being selfish. If I had a baby and he was on formula, mm-hmm. and I knew all this craziness was happening. You know, I might would stock up on a month's worth of formula. Okay. Well, what I'm saying, is a month's worth of formula is, is not an issue. Buying 1,700 bottles of hand sanitizer, those things, you can clearly see a difference. Right. Or what if the, what if I went out not having a baby at all, seeing that formula is flying off the shelves, I go out and decide I'm going to buy some so I can turn around and sell it. Yeah, that, for $100 a that's, box. Yeah, that's crazy. Look, this, well, this is not the time to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> well, I know my niece has a baby, and she went to go get formula. It was her normal time to go get formula. There is none. So, luckily, my sister found some here locally, but now the question is, is how my niece is going to get it when she's two hours away. So, I don't know if they're going to ship it, or if one of us is going to meet her halfway, or what the deal is, but... It worried me for her and Sweet Baby because he's had so many troubles with formula that they finally found one that worked for him, and she doesn't want to switch him to something else and him start throwing up all the time again. Yep. I've seen people on Facebook offer, you know, if your kids are reliant on food at school, then let me know, and I'll bring you food and things like that because, you know, some kids, the only full meal they get is from the school. Yeah. And that's sad. Well, this is also, um, and this has nothing to do with your faith, but I know that a lot of churches and religious religious organizations uh, do a lot to step up and help people during certain times of the year. So I'm hoping that they see this as an opportunity to um, to do that again and step up and start helping. You know, whether it's churches or whether it's the Red Cross or you know, there's a number of organizations. United Way, exactly. You know, the number of organizations that step up during disaster time, mm-hmm. well, I consider this a, a disaster. Well, yeah, wasn't it the president proclaimed it as a state of emergency? State of emergency. Right. Yeah. So, and and when they declare it, I mean, a lot of people don't know this, but when they do these things, it's not just semantics. It's not just them saying, oh, we need to declare this a state of emergency so you can put a label on it. Doing that actually gives... Uh, him and other parts of government power to release funds and release help. And and doing that changes the game. And that's why they do stuff like that. It's not just for for fun. I always thought the state of emergency is when they sent like the army in. (laughs) Because anytime there was a state of emergency when I was growing up, it was more like weather related. So I would always see the, you know, army trucks and whatever coming from Columbia. Mm-hmm. So in my head, that was the state of emergency was all the army people. But that's not the case. I did find that out recently that it is so they can release funds to help companies and lower their taxes for, you know, this month or two months. And 
so they can pay their employees when they're not able to work. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, and they have extended unemployment. Yeah. And made some exceptions to that. So, if for some reason, if your company shuts down for three weeks, you can actually get unemployment. Mm-hmm. Maybe for only two of those weeks. I don't know if they had that one week holding period or whatever. But yeah. I mean, they they are trying to take steps to make things a little less impactful. Impactful. Good job, David. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's for some, it's a scary time. For others, it's, it's just anxious. It's an anxious time. It's not that you're fearful. It's just kind of like, how's this going to play out? Um, it's the unknown, and I that think, scares people so much. Yeah, but I think, too, the older you get because you – I mean, this happens – typically, it's going to happen during your lifetime. You're going to have more than one of type of events like this. And so I think when you've been through events like this, you know, you and I – uh, live through Hurricane Hugo when it hit this area back in 1989. Ooh. And we remember when there was no gas, no water, no, no power, no food. And this went on for a few weeks. We ate Lance crackers every day for two weeks. I think. <laughs> uh, and so you remember that. And then there's, you know, there's been snowstorms, you know, and we're in the South, which doesn't get a whole lot, but usually when we get one, it can be, you know, it can be bad. And so there's been you know, I think 19, was it 19? No, it was 2000. Like the, I think it was year 2000. We had a snowstorm or 1999 and we were locked up for like two weeks. Couldn't get out because they were, they were calling for six inches and it turned into like two and a half feet of snow. Yeah, it was two. I think it was 2000 because I was stuck in Maryland doing training for work. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was stuck at, I was stuck at work for almost three days before I could get home. Mm-hmm. But anyway, my point is the the older you are, the more likely you're going to you're going to have lived through things that have been like this. And so you look at it and you go, yeah, I've been there, done that before. Yeah, it might not have been a pandemic, but it's something that caused the, a similar response from people and things to fly off the shelf and heck down here every time you call for snow Milk and bread flies off the shelf. Yeah, milk and bread. <laughs> I mean, and it never fails. We always need milk and bread right before it snows. Yeah, and especially so we, when all your kids were here because we went through a gallon of milk a day. I know. So, you know, there you just get, I won't say you get used to it, but you don't panic because you've been there before. And you know that, you know, things will level out. And as long as everybody has a level head and practice patience, oh, Lord, practice patience. I mean, we went to a restaurant this morning and, you know, the restaurant was freaking out because, you know, they had to have a DHEC meeting first thing in the morning. They were running behind. Somebody placed some big order and, you know, people standing in line. Luckily, they're they're like, look, we get it. Everything's kind of crazy right now. I don't need to add to the craziness. Yeah. One of the customers asked us if we were dining in. She was trying to help them out to see if she needed to seat us or whatever. I know. And she'd been there for like 30 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And she was still nice and happy yeah. about it. And she was waiting on a to-go order mm-hmm. for 30 minutes. And she was sitting there. I saw a video. Um, I think it may have been a Publix or a Walmart or somewhere where all these people are in line. I mean, y'all, it was crazy. Like you had to almost do like the conga line to get through every aisle of the store to see what was there for you to get like a scavenger hunt. And these people were just singing. They were making the best out of a bad situation. Right. And that's, that's what it takes. It takes people looking at this and going, okay, let's, let's not focus on all the negativity that's happening, but let's focus on how can we make this as positive as we can for ourselves, for other people 
take the level of stress and anxiety down, fear, get rid of the fear that some people are having about mm-hmm. things. And and let's just make the best of it. You're making me want to reach out to people that are or have been in the Nacho Kids Academy to see if their perspective is different than people that haven't been through the Academy, because we know that we work a lot with these people on changing their thinking and changing mm-hmm. their perspective and finding the positive and getting rid of the negative. And yeah, that's, I think that's a good idea. Yep. Well, David, uh, we've talked 30 minutes about this. <laughs> we don't want to hear no more about it. Yeah. <laughs> and yet we talked about it 30 minutes. All right. So let's get into what today's interview is about. Well, briefly, this is a stepmom. She's been blending four years and they were together two to three years before marriage. And her story is, well, not her story, but her husband's story, I guess you would say, is really sad because they haven't seen the kids. The mom took off with them. Oh, man. Yeah. So it's um, it's a good thing to talk about because it happened with my sister. Yeah. And we've seen it too often. Once they cross state lines, it's harder to get the kids back. Mm-hmm. It's harder to fight it through the court system. My niece actually spent enough money to put all her kids through college because her ex took the kids for like three months and would not send them back. And guess what the judge did to reprimand him? What? Nothing. Hmm. He Hmm. still gets his visitation. He still gets everything he did before. He lost nothing. But she lost bukus of money and went through a great depression and anxiety and stress. So... You know, we don't talk about parental alienation a whole lot in our nacho group, but it is real. Mm -hmm. We met a lady at the Stepmoms Alive conference named Wendy Perry that deals with parental alienation. And it's just so sad. It breaks my heart. And then there's also a lady that I know from our nacho kids group that she was kept away from her kid. And unfortunately, the child committed suicide not long ago. Mm. So she's really struggling with the fact that she was kept away from her child, you know, for so many years, 10 plus years. And then now he's dead. She'll never have a chance to spend time with him again. Mm, that's, that's rough. Yeah. So that's not the case with this lady, though. Let's get to listening. <laughs> All right. And before we do, let's hear a word from the Academy. And wash your hands. Don't touch your face. <laughs> there is a way to save your sanity and your relationship. And it's called the Nacho Kids Academy. In the Nacho Kids Academy, you will learn the skills and knowledge to properly nacho, techniques to handle stepfamily challenges, ways to improve your communication, and much, much more. Visit NachoKidsAcademy.com and sign up today to join other step parents who are seeing the life-changing benefits of nachoing. Again, that's NachoKidsAcademy.com. Today, we have Sabrina Chappelle Strickland. Hey, Sabrina, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing well. So how long have you been blending? Um, let's see. We just celebrated our four-year wedding anniversary a couple weeks ago. Um, and then we were together, I think, two, three years before we got married. So what's that, seven years? Yeah. Yeah. And how many stepkids, bio kids, ours kids, neighbors kids, all that stuff are involved? <laughs> So we've got tons of neighbor kids, but there's just the two stepchildren, two boys. Um, We don't have any kids together, and I don't have any of my own kids. So it's just the two boys. And what ages are they? Or what ages were they when you started blending? 
I was just trying to calculate their ages. Uh, <laughs> uh, I want to say that they are, and it's, and let's just say it's, I don't really know because we don't really see them. So I want to say that they are 15 and 13 right now. Okay. So I'm curious, why don't you see them? Well, their mother has absconded with them basically to another state. Um, and there's just not a lot that can be done about that. There's a lot of pretending we can do things about it, but at the end of the day you get to court and there's a bunch of excuses and nothing really ever happens. Um, you know, we live here in the South and it's a very, um, it's a very, um, mother friendly state. And, uh, there's not a lot that men can do about custody situations, um, without a ton, a ton of money. So you just kind of run into a lot of nonsense, basically. And there's and it's kind of at the whim of whenever she decides that uh, he's allowed to see his children. Did they have a court order in place? Yeah, they do. Um, so they have 50-50 joint custody. Um, uh, and then she has the, let's see, she has the majority of the physical custody, um, just because they, when they, when it happened, when they, you know, when they split up and when they got the court order, they were, she lived in their school district and he did not. So, um, it's supposed to be every other weekend and one Wednesday is what he's supposed to have. And then they split, you know, school breaks and all that, but then she just moved to another state and they, reworked the custody order so that he basically got all school breaks and et cetera, et cetera. And she said, I'm all done with that. That's literally, those were literally her words. I'm all done with that. And that was that. And now, (laughs) uh, (laughs) right. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. it, It amazes me that people are just like, Oh, I don't have to follow that court order. It's okay. Mm hmm. And the court kind of makes it okay because, you know, if she's got some reason she she can't come to court because, you know, I have to go to work today, then they're like, okay, like I, that's not really how court works, but apparently here it is. So, wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my, my sister kind of went through something like that. Her um, youngest daughter was four, maybe. Mm-hmm. And, um, she was married to the dad. Well, the dad took the daughter to go spend time with his grandmother. I'm not his grandmother, her grandmother, his mom, and never brought her back. So since there was not a court order in place, my sister couldn't do anything. So she would go up there to try to see her. They would have her arrested for trespassing Mm -hmm. because again, there was no court order at the time. And but honestly, by the time my sister finally did go to court, she was like crazy because her kid had been taken from her. Right. And everybody, you know, in Facebook, they'll be like, oh, well, that's kidnapping. No, it's not. It's their kid. It ain't kidnapping. Right. And that is what we, I trying to think the last time we ended up talking to like the sheriff, they basically said, you know, it's fine. She's allowed to take the children and he's allowed to go get the kids and take them from her as well. But what they said is what it comes down to is the last person to take the children whenever they end up in court is the person who will be, um, you know, in trouble or looked down upon. And they're the person who will lose in a court battle because they were the last person to do it. 
I'm like, what kind of sense does that even make? <laughs> what? Girl, I have a feeling that uh, at some point in my life, I'm going to try to revamp the court system. That would be great. <laughs> it's crazy. And what bothers me about it the most is it's not black and white. So, for instance, if David and I were, say, we had a child together and we were going through a divorce and just say that he cheated on me. Well, if the judge had cheated on his ex-wife, he's not going to be as hard on David as if, uh, as if his ex-wife had cheated on him. Right. You know, they're people. They have their opinions. They like certain people over other people. It's just, it's not, it's not fair. It's not. And I, and I, you know, I've been following a lot of like, you know, father's rights movements. And honestly, I'm not really sure why we don't start at 50, 50, because it's like, you should start at 50, 50 and then examine the case. But most of the time, it, at least where we are, it starts with the mom having the majority of custody and then the dad fights for what he can get. And it's, it's so subjective, but it almost always ends up with the mom having the majority of the custody and, you know, dad kind of fades out into the background, which is really, right, really sucky. And it does depend on the state. I know um, since my son's father and I weren't married, I was given sole custody and he got visitation. Mm -hmm. And in North Carolina, if you're not married and have a child, it's automatically 50-50. Mm-hmm. So it, it just depends on the states. And um, I also think that you shouldn't have to pay a fortune to go to court when somebody's in contempt. Yeah, you sh- definitely should not have to do that. Right. Your husband should be able to go online, find the paperwork he needs, and represent himself, showing that she's in contempt for not letting him have the kids. And then they shouldn't just pop her on the wrist and say, don't do that again. Like, they really need to enforce the court order. Right. But it's a, it's a money game. I mean, it's not really about the children or anything. It's just a money game. Yeah. I could have put my kid through Harvard as much money as between him and his dad, what we've spent on attorney's fees. Right. Now, granted, um, I don't know how it is in your state, but in South Carolina, well, I guess in most places you can ask for attorney's fees. And fortunately, the judge has made his dad pay um, the majority of my attorney's fees anytime we've had to go to court. Mm-hmm. You can ask for attorney fees here. We just haven't even gotten that far because everything gets postponed over and over again. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Is she like the next state over? Yeah, she's one state above us. And so, see, I don't know about um, you or the situation, but with my sister, the, her husband took the kid out of state, and that causes a whole nother set of issues. Yeah, um, they, well, because he actually gave her permission to move to another state for her job, um, it kind of simplified it a little bit. And the way it was written when they changed the agreement is that custody matters still belong in the state where they were originally um, settled because he, we still live here. Mm-hmm. Um, so if he leaves this state, then it will have to change. But because at least one of the parties still lives in the state, it was written that the custody matters will remain in the state, even though the children aren't here. Yeah. That's just the way they wrote it up. So, um, Does he have any contact with them at all? Um, not really. So she, so they don't have a house phone. Um, and for the longest time, it was just her cell phone, which she blocked both my number and his number from calling her cell phone. 
Um, and like most people, you know, she doesn't answer unknown phone number or whatever. I mean, I don't either. So like that part is, I don't really blame her, but, um, (laughs) and uh, and so it was only if they decided to call him, um, would he ever talk to them? But for the most part, she doesn't allow that. Um, if they do call him, it has to be on speakerphone so she can hear everything. And the moment there's anything that she doesn't like, which usually like the youngest one, um, he will usually ask something like, when can I see you again or something? And she doesn't like that. So she'll just hang up the phone. That's the end of the conversation. Um, the, the kids got a cell phone to share at some point, like I want to say like two or three years ago. And occasionally the youngest one will sneak the cell phone and call, but he's not really good at sneaking. He, um, he, so he, he has autism. Um, so he's not really good at sneaking. He thinks he's sneaking, but he's not. <laughs> His whispering <laughs> voice is not very good. So he almost always gets found out when he's sneaking around trying to call. And of course she will take the phone and hang it up. And that's the end of the conversation. So not really. Um, I want to say like a month or so ago, the oldest one emailed his dad um, to ask him for help with math homework. Because <laughs> um, my husband's like a math genius. So that's about it, really. Um, there's not really much opportunity to talk to them. I very occasionally she will call um, a lot. I guess she does a lot of business nearby us, but she comes here a lot for conferences or meetings and usually it'll be in the middle of the week in the middle of the day and she will allow the children to call and say we're around the corner at a hotel can you come pick us up and honestly it's kind of just a power play and he's like well i'm at work so (laughs) um no not right now i can see you later on today and then she'll you know jump on the phone and say well if you're not going to come right now then just forget it Making the kids think that the dad doesn't want to see them. You obviously don't want to see your kids. Like, it's Tuesday at 1 o'clock. Like, I'm at work. (laughs) That's so sad. I mean, she's definitely the epitome of parental alienation here. Oh, yeah. Um, When early on, when when we first, you know, told them all about our relationship, she literally told the the children, who I think they were like around 8-ish, seven and eight. They're very close in age. They're around like seven and eight at that time. Um, she literally told them, well, your dad has a new family now and it doesn't include you. (laughs) That is horrible. Yeah. Um, and of course, like I told you, the youngest one has autism. So he's very good at repeating what's been told to him, even though he's not supposed to, Mm -hmm. um, definitely if you tell him, Hey, don't tell anybody this, he will tell you and then say, I'm not supposed to tell you. That's Mm -hmm. just how he is. (laughs) So, yeah, um, yeah, he's, they've been told a lot of things. Um, they're told not to eat any food if I cook it um, or if I touch it or if I buy it. So, you know, when they were coming over, they would refuse to eat. Um, and then I overheard the youngest one saying, well, Sabrina, Sabrina bought that food, so we're not allowed to eat it. Like, oh my God, like really, you send your children somewhere and tell them not to eat food for an entire weekend. What is her deal? I mean, (laughs) how long were they split up before you came into the picture? I mean, is it a jealousy thing with you? So they were separated for six years. They never actually got a divorce, but there was no like 
question. I mean, they lived apart. The only thing they did together was like, you know, kids' birthdays. There was no like real, like, oh, we're rekindling our relationship. They were apart for six years because she was both mentally and physically abusive to him. Um, and he's like a gentleman to the core. Like I'm never going to, not even in self-defense, am I going to put my hands on a woman? So, um, you know, we're at points where she's like hitting him and he's bleeding and things like that. So they were not together, but they never actually got a divorce. Um, and so for six years they lived separate lives. And then I came along and he's like, well, I guess I'll have to pay for the divorce now. Divorce is very expensive here, um, (laughs) for no real reason. Um, and so then he had to pay for the divorce and I don't know, like you could say jealousy, but I really don't think that's the cause. Like she did try to sue me for ruining her marriage, but literally everybody involved in the situation was like, what are you even talking about? Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I think I have somewhere the letter that her lawyer sent to me, um, trying to sue me or to settle for, I want to say she was willing to settle for $60,000. Oh, that's nice Um, of her. Yeah. For her emotional suffering that I caused her. Um, (laughs) is that the, um, alienation of affection? Yep. 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 That's it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Even, even my husband's divorce lawyer was like, that I put that in the trash. She's like, that isn't even whatever. <laughs> so yeah, I, I mean, I guess there might be some sort of jealousy. Like maybe she was holding on to the idea that they were going to rekindle the flame after six years or whatever. I'm not really sure, but I honestly just think that she's so narcissistic. Like I'm pretty well convinced that she has narcissistic personality disorder And so it's honestly just a matter of control. She can no longer control him. And that's a problem. That's what I was going to ask. Based on everything that I've been told by him, by his parents and siblings about their relationship, because they got together when they were freshmen in undergrad and they were together, but they didn't date other people the whole time and they got married and Based on all that, I mean, you know, she didn't allow him to see his family at all. Um, I think he was allowed to visit them for 30 minutes once a year. Um, Girl, he <laughs> should, he should, I, I'm normally not quick to say people should have left, but good Lord, he should have done something. I know. I, I don't, I don't understand. I'm like, why, why did you stay there for so long? But, you know, I don't know. Um, it was probably the kids. Yeah. <laughs> Um, they had them pretty early on in their relationship. So, uh, yeah, she's just, she's very into being controlling. And, you know, everything that anyone who knows her has said about her just lines up with narcissistic personality disorder. Um, and she needs to control the situation. And she doesn't. And, you know, just like what the kids call, she just hang up the phone. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. Is he not worried about her hurting the kids since she was abusive to him? Uh, well, he is, and he's actually had to call, um, you know, CPS um, based on some report from the children's school. So the children, because he kind of works in the public sector, um, their school was able to track him down. Um, he didn't know where they went to school, but they were able to track him down, um, and they were concerned. One of them was eating out of the trash can in the lunchroom every day, and... 
it did not appear that they had been bathing or taking care of any of their any of their other hygiene needs. Um, and I want to say one of them was in middle and one was in elementary school, and the counselors called each other, and then they tracked down my husband when when their mother wouldn't do anything about it to fix the situation. So he had it, I mean, because he's like, I don't know where they live. Um, I barely know where they go to school because the school contacted me. So he had to call, you know, Child Protection Services, and they want you to go do a welfare check and basically, you know, again, slap on the wrist. Hey, they, your kids need to bathe. And that was the end of it. You would have thought that the school would have automatically called CPS instead of calling him. I, I I would think so. And I hope that they also did. But that was, it was just a really bizarre, like, I don't know. I think they were just trying to figure out from him if there was something going on because he wasn't listed on their, on their, um, you know, I don't know, the paperwork at the school. Um, yeah. Emergency contact information or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, he was previously, so they had like the former school records and he was listed and then he wasn't listed anymore. So I think they were just trying to kind of figure out what was going on and if everything was okay. And got it. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know why it wasn't a big deal. They, I mean, they're obviously being emotionally abused, uh, but that doesn't seem to really matter to the court or anybody else. Um, I don't know. I'm assuming they're not being physically abused. Every time we see them, they seem physically okay. Um, but it's definitely a concern. It's so frustrating. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I want to go bust up in the courthouse right now and go, you need to give those kids to us, to their daddy. <laughs> yeah, I definitely have been there. Um, I just, I don't, we're kind of just at a loss. Like, I don't know really where to go at this point. And now, at this point, it's just been so long. Um that there's definite hatred um, and resentment towards him. But the youngest one, um, perhaps because he has autism, uh, is very much not really affected by, like, the alienation tactics. I mean, he knows well enough to play along. But what we notice is that when we do see him, you know, he will play along with, oh, I I don't like my dad and I don't like that woman, which is, the nicest thing they've ever called me was that woman. Um, uh, but if you give him a minute and remind him that that's not appropriate, he snaps out of it like that. Um, and it just seems like it's like a self-preservation tactic on his part uh, to play along, even though he knows it's not right. The oldest one, however, is I like, I, it sounds very sad to say, but it's kind of like a lost cause. Like you, there's no, there's no getting through to him that this is not the case. And so in his mind, um, you know, like, like his mother told him, his dad has a new family. It doesn't include him. Um, and, you know, his dad doesn't have any desire to see him or to be his father anymore. So he's just a man who he's a sperm donor. And in his mind, that's the truth. And, you know, dad left and that's it. <laughs> uh, and there's no convincing him any, anything otherwise. Uh, it's really sad. It is sad. And I would hope that when the kids get a little bit older, you know, we hear people say that um, the bio mom alienated the kids from the bio dad. But then when the kids get older, they realize what happened. And so they want nothing to do with the mom, but are closer to the dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, heard, I've read a lot about that. Um, and sometimes it's even sadder because they want nothing to do with their mom, but they still don't. They're not, they're not able to forge that relationship with their father. So then they just end up being adults with no parents. Right. Which is like the saddest thing ever. 
because it doesn't have to be this way. Yeah. That's just really sad. Um, it just frustrates me. They need to do something. She, he needs to be able to see his kids. It's not like he doesn't want to. He just right. doesn't know what to do other than, you know, take out a second mortgage on his house to try to get an attorney to fight for him to be able to see his kids. Right. But then it's like, okay, now you are able to see the kids, but you have no money to get there to see them. You can't, you don't have any money to feed them. You have no place to live. It's like, where do you, like, how do you find the balance, you know, between spending all of my money and for what? To win, to, you know, to be able to see children, but you can't see them because you don't even have money for gas to put in your car at this point. So, I mean, it really just comes down to that a lot of times. Like, I... (laughs) It's crazy. Well, and there's no guarantee that she would even let them see him if there was a court order. Right. We, If there were a court order that were enforceable, we would actually have to show up at her house with the sheriff. There's no other way. Like, she's not going to agree to anything else. Um, right. And I mean, now, what does that look like? Now I'm showing up at my children's mother's house with the sheriff every other weekend to pick them mm-hmm. up. Yeah. And the cops don't like to get involved. Right. Yeah, they kind of throw their hands up like, oh, well, go to family court, let them deal with it. Uh-huh. Now, and two, her comment about your dad's got a new family, it's not like you had kids right. or y'all had kids together. So, I mean, that's just even crazier. Mm-hmm. Your dad got remarried, so now he wants nothing to do with y'all. Yeah, that couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, she has made everything a negative thing. So we got married on Halloween. And we, oh, how dare you! I know. According (laughs) to her, we got married on Halloween so that we could ruin it for the children. Uh, (laughs) Okay, help help me understand that you getting married on Halloween ruins it for the children because they can't go trick or treating, or that she thinks you're a witch, or what? Because now Halloween is all about us and our marriage, and it's no longer about children getting candy. Like, uh, what? Yeah, like the kids really are going to, you know, go buy you gifts for your marriage and stuff. And right. Yeah, that, that's crazy. We had trick-or-treating at our wedding, so I'm not really sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> wow. She has told both my husband and the children that I am a former sex worker. I'm not even sure why you would say that to your children, your, your preteen children. Um, yeah. I'm like, what? <laughs> Shake that booty, girl. Shake that booty. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, I actually am a former nanny, so like kind of the opposite of sex work, but whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I just the things that she comes up with are interesting. Um, and she, she tells the children. It's not like something, you know, she's gossiping with her girlfriends. She tells the children. Um, which is extremely inappropriate. Let's give her parent of the year award. Right. (laughs) Keep your kids from their dad and accuse his new wife of being a retired or ex sex worker. (laughs) (laughs) And and don't, don't um, eat food that she touched because you know, she's got dirty hands because she was an ex sex worker. (laughs) Right. Right. It's just like these things, like I never before. So I grew up with a stepmom and my stepmom and my mom are like, I wouldn't say they're friends, but they are super nice to each other. And 
as far as I know, and like, here's the thing, they could actually have a problem with each other. But as far as I know, as the child of the mom and the stepmom, there have been no issues. They're totally fine right. with each other and they will do things together, and which is ideal. Even if they do have problems with each other, I know nothing about it, even at my age now. Um, and so like, that is amazing. And I just never imagined that being a stepmom could involve this level of nonsense. You know, it, it's like, you know, you meet a man with kids and you're like, okay, you know, I can do this. Like I had a stepmom, I get it. I can do this. I can just be like the cool chick who's here. Like I'll let you. So my stepmom used to let me have Kool-Aid. My mom never let us have Kool-Aid. So my stepmom <laughs> let us have Kool-Aid when we were at my dad's house. I'm like, I got this. I can be the Kool-Aid stepmom. That's, it's totally fine. I just didn't ever imagine in my wildest dreams that it could be like this, like the way that it is. I mean, I actually ended up in the hospital as a product of being a stepmother. Um, <laughs> and that is crazy to me because like you like to say, them is nacho kids, right? So I, it mm-hmm. shouldn't really be this stressful. Um, they're not my children. They have a mother and a father and I shouldn't have to be this stressed out about it. Um, not that I, you know, not that I wouldn't step up and parent them if that's what they needed, if that's what they wanted, but it shouldn't, it's, there's no reason for it to be this stressful. So you ended up in the hospital because of stress. Yes. As it turns out, it was, and I didn't even know, I didn't even realize what was happening, but I want to say the youngest one was graduating from elementary going into um, junior high or middle school, which I mean, you know, promotion, it's grad, it's, it's an elementary school promotion. It's not mm-hmm. the biggest thing in the world, but, um, and it was like on a Wednesday. So my husband was going to go, he was going to get off work on Tuesday night and he was going to drive up to the next day. And I, and, and I was like, you know what? You can't make that. It's like a six and a half hour drive to where they live. I was like, you cannot get off of a full day of work and then drive six and a half hours to go to a ceremony and then drive six and a half hours back by yourself. Like I'm, that's not okay. So I was going to go with him. I had no interest in going to the ceremony. I was not invited. No one asked me to go. Like, I don't need to go to the ceremony, but you're not driving there by yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. And so she caught wind of the fact that he and I were both coming and she banned me from the state. She said, that's her state and I'm not allowed to come to it. Um, (laughs) <laughs> um uh-huh. she have keys to the city too apparently apparently <laughs> so i'm not allowed in that state according to her and it was so that was supposed to be like tuesday night to wednesday so the sunday before we were at the movies and all of a sudden i just could not catch my breath i mean i'm sitting in a chair at the movie theater and i could not catch my breath and i have no idea what's happening I end up going to um, urgent care and they couldn't get me to calm down. My, my resting heart rate was like 160 um, and they could not, I mean, they put me in a quiet room. They made me lay down with like some soft music for 30 minutes and they came back and it was still 160 something. They're like, we don't know what's wrong with you. I'm like, I don't know either. Um, and so they admitted me to the ER and the ER was like, they did a whole bunch of imaging and they couldn't figure out. And they finally, they had to like drug me to get my heart rate to go down. Um, cause it, at this point it had been like hours and no one could figure out why my heart rate wouldn't go down. 
And they admitted me to the hospital for some overnight observation. And, you know, I was there for a week. And so he ended up missing the promotion ceremony because he was, you know, in our mind, hospital trumps anything else. It doesn't really matter what else is going on. Someone's in the hospital and we have no idea why um, right. that trumps anything. And so he ended up missing the ceremony and we got, you know, basically like a hundred questions about the reality of me actually being in the hospital. And, and basically she was trying to say that he needed to send her some sort of verification from the hospital that I was there. What? <laughs> Man, that chick is cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's probably good that y'all can't hear the rocks rattling in my head every time I'm shaking my head talking to you, Sabrina, because you wouldn't be able to hear us talking because all you'd hear is... <laughs> <laughs> so she wanted like a doctor's note yeah. stating mm-hmm. that you were in the hospital and that's why he couldn't attend his son's elementary graduation. Uh-huh. And so because we refused to send that, because are you serious? Um, She just told her son that, you know, your dad's not interested in seeing you graduate from elementary school. Mm. (laughs) So when I got out of the hospital at the end of that week, um, we ended up going up there um, left the very next day. And I just stayed at the hotel. Um, I didn't. Like, I'm really not in the mood for this. Um, But, you know, they were like, you know, like, you know, what is wrong with you is that you had a panic attack. (laughs) Like, why would I have a panic attack? Everything is fine. Um, (laughs) But, yes, it's very traceable to this exact situation. So we went up there at the end of that week, and I stayed at the hotel. Like, I'm not here for this. I'm just here because my husband doesn't need to be driving this far by himself. And he's just tired. And, um when he went out to dinner with them, he went and took the graduation gift and gave it to the youngest son. And you know, he was happy. But when they got, when he got there, when he got to dinner with them, the oldest one said, well, is she dead? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, no. And that was the last, like the oldest son didn't talk to him for the rest of the dinner. He was genuinely pissed that I didn't die. <laughs> Man. Well, I tell you what, it seems like that bio mom has rubbed off on the oldest. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. Did they say um, anything about your heart being in um, SVT? Um, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to remember. So they, well, so I did like a bunch of like imaging and all that stuff. And I basically couldn't really figure out anything else that was, I mean, I went all the way through because they showed an abnormality at some point, which turned out to just be an imaging error. And so I went all the way through and I got a cardiac cast because they could not figure out anything that was actually wrong with me. And wow. um, when the doctor went in with the, with the catheter, he was looking around. He's like, there's nothing. I mean, I, I think I was like 34, 33, 34 at the time. And he was like, I've never seen a 33 year old heart that has no traces of plaque anywhere. Um, this is incredible. So, you know, they were like, there is nothing that is wrong with your heart. Like you're, you're not having any sort of cardiac uh, situation, mm-hmm. um, which is then when they started like going over everything else. Cause they kept thinking because I got the imaging error um, and I failed the stress test. They kept thinking, okay, there's something, you know, there's like a cardiac event happening, but we can't figure out what it is. But then when they got to that point where like, we're literally in the heart looking around, they're like, there is nothing here. You're not having a cardiac event. Um, 
And so then they started looking over everything and going back through everything and talking. And that's when they basically were like, no, you just, you legitimately had a panic attack. Um, and possibly because I didn't realize I was having a panic attack, it went on way longer than it needed to. Um, because mm-hmm. <laughs> it scared the crap out of you. Yeah. Cause I mean, I didn't know it was, I couldn't breathe and my heart was pounding and I don't know, I'm just sitting in the movie theater. So I don't know. <laughs> and I've never had a panic attack before. Um, but yeah. No wonder you failed the stress test. I mean, to try to do the stress test when your heart's beating 160 beats a minute, when you're resting, uh, what are they trying to do? Explode you? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Fortunate for me that they could not figure out what was wrong with me. So we had to go all the way to the cardiac catheter because it kind of gave me that. What, with them looking and seeing that there's not even like a trace of plaque or anything, they basically, the cardiologist was like, there's no chance within the next 10 years at least that you're going to have a cardiac event. So now whenever I start feeling that kind of feeling, I know like this is not, I'm not going to have a heart attack or, you know, like my heart's not going to stop. I'm just having like anxiety and I just need to calm it down. Um, Mm -hmm. Usually I, what works for me, honestly, is taking a nap. (laughs) So I think I'm oddly fortunate that I ended up being in the hospital for a week with them trying to figure out what was wrong with me because now I know like, yeah, I'm going to be fine. But that not knowing kind of just is like. Well, I'm impressed that your heart's so clean. Uh, me too. <laughs> I was like, what? They were, I mean, more than one, like, he kind of called, like, everybody from cardiology over to look at it. Like, and they were all kind of like, what? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so good genes, I guess, because I definitely haven't done a whole lot to preserve my heart, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's. Very lucky on my part. <laughs> um, that is. But yeah. It's very real that stress can kill you. We all know that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we understand how true that is until, you know, all of a sudden you drop 30 pounds and you can't even lift up, you know, your pocketbook because you're so weak because you're stressed out. And, you know, a lot of stepmoms, they have the anxiety. They actually have suicidal thoughts, the depression, of course. I don't know the statistics. I've been looking for them, but apparently they don't really track that stuff. So it's not like when you go to the doctor's office, they say, okay, are you having anxiety and are you a stepmom? <laughs> because if they did, the number of women that are have to be put on antidepressants or anti-anxiety medicine when they get into this blend is very high. Yeah. And and it's not something that's talked about. I mean, for the most part, you're, you're either you're the evil stepmother or you're the perfect new mommy. Like, mm-hmm. And there's no in between. And you, you know, you see it in the in the stepmom group on Facebook. Um, a lot of people don't understand how you could not be like I call it the takeover mom. So like mm-hmm. <laughs> you're, the, you're the new mom in my house, like you, how you're not going to be the takeover mom. And there's a lot of judgment. From even from stepmoms, and I, you know, I kind of expect it from people who are not a stepmom. They've never been in this situation, but for people who are stepmoms, like they have no concept of how someone cannot be the new mom, the takeover mom, and there's all that judgment, and so like no one really talks about it. And it's not about bashing someone that is the perfect stepmom and takes control and mm-hmm. lives the happy little family. It's about saying that that works for them, but that doesn't work for everybody, right? And most of those women I have found, the stepkids are really, really young when they get involved with the stepmom. 
Yeah, the babies, the toddlers, mm-hmm. uh, and it's, you know, things go very smoothly. <laughs> right. And a lot of it has to do with the relationship with the bio mom and the bio dad and whether the bio mom is bashing the stepmom. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many different factors. And of course, when I came into the marriage with David, his kids were nine, 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 and 10. They were very outspoken in year two about how much they despised me. Mm-hmm. And we didn't see that coming because we got along really well prior to that. But for somebody to tell me, how dare you not love your stepkids? I'm like, whoa, Nellie, you wouldn't love them either if you were living in this house. Exactly. And even my own friends were kind of like, well, um, you know, because as someone, I was a professional nanny for 16 years and most of my friends are nannies. So like, that's our business, right? We love kids. We love kids that don't belong to us. Mm-hmm. Um, raise them. And so for them to see me be like, uh-uh, they were even judgmental. But then my best, best friend who was kind of like, mm, Sabrina, I don't know, like, what is the deal here? She met them and she was like, oh no, oh no. <laughs> and I was like, I told you. And so she kind of had to like, you know, defend me to the rest of our friends. Like, nope, she's correct. <laughs> it's really awful. Um, and it's just, yeah, I mean, like, I get it. Like, it's just, it's something that you just don't, you can't fathom unless you've been there until you get there. What I love, though, is the stepkid can call you the evil stepmom, and that's normal. But yeah. yet, the stepmom is expected to love this child that is not theirs like their own. And if they don't, they're going to hell. Right. And it's so quick to judge other people. And that's the last thing that a struggling stepmom needs is somebody making her feel worse than she already does because we don't go into it and go, Oh, I'm not going to love these kids or I don't want to love these kids. We have hearts. Mm -hmm. Literally nobody goes into it that way. (laughs) Right. And you know, just like nobody goes into a marriage expecting to get divorced, but you go into it and the reality, my reality may be different than yours. But that Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that the way I choose to handle it is wrong. And I'm just so thankful that David and I were open to doing the nacho method because it's just amazing the transformation that it had on our blend almost instantly. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I I mean, and like we're not, we obviously don't have any other children in the home, so it doesn't affect that. But just my marriage in general, once I decided like, you know, I'm not, I'm just not going to get worked up about this anymore. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And I'm going to leave it be, and, you know, cause they're not, they're still not my children. Like they just are not. Um, and so at the end of the day, it kind of doesn't matter what I say or what I do or what I don't do because they have two parents and I'm not one of them. So they'll, you know, they'll be fine with or without me. And so right. that just kind of that mentality, like I'm here if someone wants me to be, but I'm not going to force it. I'm not going to try. And I don't care what anybody thinks about me not forcing it or trying. Um, that mm-hmm. saved me and it saved my marriage from where it would have eventually headed. <laughs> it's just like down the toilet, basically. <laughs> At some point, right. it would have gone that way if I kept up that way. So, um, and I try to remind people this, like, I'm the first one to jump in any time there's one of those things in a group where someone's like, you have to love those children like they're your own. How dare you marry a man with kids if you're not going to, you know, be their new mom. And I am the first one to jump in and tell them, absolutely not. 
under no circumstances do you need to love these children like they're own, they're your own because they are not your own. And mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like when there's and it's time to make a decision about these children. Like if they have a medical emergency, you don't count. Right. <laughs> it, you mm-hmm. do not count. Um, if they, you know, if there's something going on at the school, you don't count. You you'll have a hard time taking them to the doctor. Like all these things, you don't count. So you cannot love them as your own because you can't make decisions for them. Um, right. So it's just unfair to expect that. And in addition, when people come to a Facebook group to vent about something that their stepchild has done and now they're pissed off or whatever, this is exactly what it is. I've come to the Facebook group to vent about this because I'm not going to say these things in this manner, in this cathartic manner in person to my stepchild. And a lot of people right. do not understand that point. Like, this is a microcosm. We're on Facebook in a group. This is not what happens in my real house. These are my feelings mm-hmm. in my head, and I'm just trying to get it out so that I can be a civilized adult if <laughs> I address this in my household. Right. How dare you call your stepkid a brat? Because they're a brat. That's how. <laughs> yeah. But now you can go in a group and call your own kid a brat, and everybody's like, yeah, yeah, I know. Right. right. <laughs> So I get really worked up. <laughs> yeah, it's like the expectations for stepmoms are so unrealistic. They are. And and the stress that, quote, quote, society puts on you to treat them as your own, to care for them as your own, all that stuff. But then all of a sudden, if you say you disciplined your stepkid, oh, no, 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 no. Right. That's not your job. Well, which is it? <laughs> right. It's your job when it benefits everybody except you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely sad. Um, I I get so frustrated with the whole, well, you knew what you were getting into. No, I did not. Not even a little bit. No. And if you you have a crystal ball and it works, then you shouldn't be talking to me. You should be buying lottery tickets. <laughs> right. That's like saying, oh, okay, well, I've got a job and this is my job description and it better not change while I'm working here. Mm-hmm. And it's also, you know, I like to use the job reference, but I don't go into the CEO's office and try to run the company. <laughs> right. Just like I'm not their mom and I don't need to go run their lives. Exactly. So much judgment. <laughs> it is. And you would think that people would be more compassionate towards other people, especially stepmoms, you know, Yes, we should be trying to help each other and to sit there and bash somebody because they don't love somebody like everybody else thinks they should. That's just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's just frustrating. And then it's, oh, well, the stepmom should give up her job so she can take little Johnny to softball practice three times a week because his mommy and daddy can't. Nope. No, she shouldn't. Nope. Now, let me, let me. Do my little caveat with that. If stepmom wants to do that and has no problem with the bio dad and the bio mom using her to do these things, have at it. Oh, yeah. I'd say she can do that. She doesn't have to do that. Right. It shouldn't be expected. I've learned that expectations remove appreciation. Mm, I like that. I did, too, when I thought of it. I was proud of myself. (laughs) (laughs) But it's true. And then, you know, in six months when stepmom's tired of running little Johnny to practice and mom and dad are out doing whatever, then she's going to have resentment for them, for them not taking care of their own kid. Mm-hmm. And then she's going to have issues with the kid because it's the kid's fault, of course. 
which most of the time, and you know, we discovered this quickly in the Nacho Kids group or the Nacho Kids Academy, once a stepmom can say, you know what, it's not my stepkid. It's the way that the bio parents are parenting the kid. That is, you made it to Nacho level two. (laughs) You have to come to these realizations and we don't really tell people, okay, well, you need to look at the dad and see what he's doing wrong because you have to see it on your own. Mm -hmm. And then you have to go and say, well, wait a minute, just because he's not doing it the way I think he should doesn't mean it's wrong. So there's like these little steps you have to take to get to the point where you're like, oh, I get it. I completely get it. Yeah. I think everybody should be required to enroll in the Nacho Kid Academy. (laughs) I do too, girl. We're going to make that a requirement. (laughs) Before you marry someone with children. (laughs) You know, we joked about it and um, it might not be a bad idea for us to like hook up with, um, what is it, Kevin O'Leary on Shark Tank that does like the gift registries for weddings? Yeah. <laughs> and have them do like a for engagement parties. The gift is a Nacho Kids Academy membership. I love it. That's so awesome. You definitely, you should do that, actually. <laughs> yeah. I, I need to look into it because um, if we would have known that it was okay for me to not parent them and it was okay for, David to parent them how he thought he should and me not give my input, then we wouldn't have went through the, you know, stuff that we went through because those kids hated me and I did not like them either. Mm -hmm. But by me not showing, we were able to kind of clean slate, start over, treat them as a friend's kid, build a relationship with them. And now we're good. Yeah. Yeah. That would be helpful to know in advance. (laughs) Yeah. But now, you know, as well as I do, David and I did the research before we got married because we knew it wouldn't be easy. But if somebody would have told us about Nacho Kids in the beginning, we'd have been like, wait a minute, that's crazy. That goes against all this other research that we've done. (laughs) Yeah. You know, you're a stepmom. It's got the word mom in it. You have to be mom. I'm going to boycott the word stepmom, too. (laughs) Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know if it really needs a term. You're just my dad's wife. Yeah, like there. <laughs> That's like one of David's kids told me he said um he had said something to David or sent David a picture and I was like, Well what about me? And um because you know I can be the whiny stepmom now that we have a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, Well, I figured dad would show you and I said, And what made you think that? He said, Well, you're like an extension of dad. <laughs> and I like that though. Well that's accurate. <laughs> hmm It is. Well, Sabrina, I am so glad that you didn't have heart issues and that you were able to get help when you needed it. I really hate that your husband is being kept from his kids. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> it does. I'm, you're probably in some of the same groups, too, like fighting for father's rights or mm-hmm. yeah. um, stuff like that. So maybe somebody will you know, give you some advice there. But like you said, I mean, the kids are 15 and 13 now or... Yeah, somewhere around there. And so, I mean, it's only, what, two and a half, maybe three years before the oldest is 18. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, you could spend that much time in court. Basically, yeah. And that's kind of like, like constantly have to weigh that. Like, is it, I mean, I hate to use the word, is it worth it? But is it? Is yeah. it going to get us anywhere? <laughs> right. I, I know what you mean, because you can get that court order. You could spend $100,000 that says... 
bio mom is to make sure the kids are here on such and such day to see the dad. And then the first time she's not there, guess what? You better come up with some more money to take her back to court. Mm-hmm. And then they might go, now bio mom, don't do that again. Yep. And then you just want to circle all over again. Right. I rarely hear of people that are actually held um, responsible for being in contempt of court. Not in, not in child custody situations. Yeah, and the thing is, it's not supposed to be suggestions. It's supposed to be the law. Right. But that's a whole nother podcast. (laughs) Yep. I want you to stay on here for a minute because I'm going to find out what state that chick lives in, but we're not going to put this on the podcast because Uh I'm going to go get my car painted and it says, I love Sabrina on it. And I'm going to ride through that state and make sure I ride by her house about a hundred (laughs) times. Do it. Sabrina is allowed here. Oh, she will be very angry. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure. She's already very angry, obviously. Yeah, she is. (laughs) And then, I mean, you know, God forbid, what if something happens to her? What happens to the kids? Right. People don't think she is being so selfish. Mm -hmm. It's a terrible thing to do. It is. Well, hopefully the kids, when they get older, will choose to have a relationship with your husband because that is their dad. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping so. Yep. Well, thank you again for being a guest and we really appreciate it. And what we talked about is going to help other people. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And we'll talk soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. You know, we always hear about spousal abuse, Mm -hmm. but it's rare that we hear about the women being abusive to the men. You should live here. David. (laughs) I mean, I know what happens and I've heard about it. But for some reason, when you hear that, it's just like, what? I don't know. I guess because in my mind or society, whatever, women, I don't want to say are the weaker sex, but you know what I'm saying? Help me out, David. (laughs) No, because you beat me all the time. Oh, my gosh. Don't joke about this. (laughs) This is serious. Well, it's because, you know, I mean, most men are probably not going to physically handle a woman or, or hit her or, or hit her back or anything like that. So if she's, if she's very physical in, in when she's angry and she's hitting on the, the man and he may feel like that he just has to take it. He can't just, you know, turn around and slap her back <laughs> or whatever. That's true. Of course, we heard about a narcissistic bio mom. I'm sure plenty of you listeners have experienced that personally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> No, I can't think of a single one. But what really struck me with this conversation with Sabrina was, y'all, listen. If you didn't hear it, listen again. She was in the hospital for a week because of her stress with the whole blend. Mm -hmm. She was having issues breathing. They couldn't figure out what it was. They thought it was her heart, but her heart was absolutely perfect. And come to find out, it was stress. Yeah, stress will absolutely kill you, or it will cause you to have other diseases. Stress, it will lower your... Immune system. Immune system, yeah. Mm -hmm. If your body can normally fight something off, say a cold, the coronavirus, (laughs) or whatever, then if you're stressed, it weakens your immune system to where your cells can't fight that as much. It just weakens everything. Yep, it does. So it's very, very important 
that you learn how to manage your stress and how to avoid it if you can or how to cope with it when it happens. And that's, again, something that we teach in the academy because it is imperative to your well-being and the well-being of your blend to not have such a stressful life. Mm -hmm. Yep. And when you are less stressed, then you don't bring stress to others. That's right. Because when you're stressed, the poor little lady checking you out at the grocery store you you can make her stress because you're looking at her like, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. Or she might say, hey, how are you? And you're like, fine. <laughs> you know, I mean, you just have to calm down and breathe. And I don't know how to meditate or I'd teach you how to do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I did learn that meditation is not necessarily just sitting there with a blank mind going home. It, it is more <laughs> of being present in the moment. Right. So I've got to work on that because I've never, my mind just runs crazy yeah but i tell you the funniest part of this interview was and i hope y'all picked up on it was when the bio mom said that sabrina was banned from her state hmm. wow she, this woman acted like she had the power to ban the stepmom from the state that she lived in <laughs> maybe she lived in a state of confusion uh there you go <laughs> i mean but really <laughs> that's funny that's a that's a level of narcissism uh, rarely seen. <laughs> yeah, that that one definitely threw me for a loop. People amaze me, and I don't know why I'm still shocked over things that people say or that they've been through because I've heard some doozies. <laughs> mm-hmm. But still, when she said that, I'm like, "What?" Banned from the state. But the other thing was that I think was important to mention is you know Sabrina had a stepmom, and her mom and stepmom got along as far as Sabrina knew. Now, notice I added the as far as Sabrina knew, because quite possibly her mom could have hated her stepmom and her stepmom could have hated her mom, but they never let the kid know. Mm -hmm. It's very important. Yep. Well, I do think it's important that the kids see people getting along, even if, you know, honestly, there's not that um, <laughs> that love loss there. <laughs> so are you saying even if you fake it? I mean, yeah, to a degree. I mean. It's funny when you talk to people that that remember like, oh, my parents, you know, they got a divorce when when I was older, but I never remember them fighting ever. I never, ever remember them fighting. <laughs> and it's like, but if you talk to the parents, they're like, dude, we fought all the time. It's just we never fought in front of the kids. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the pieces of advice from counselors or premarital people is don't ever fight in front of the kids. So... It's one of those things where I guess you wait till the kids go to sleep and then you just hash it out in a bedroom or something and scream at each other, but scream at each other with a low tone. <laughs> oh, my, my yeah. parents fought all the time. They must not have ever heard that you know, don't fight in front of the kids. Yeah. Well, the unfortunate part is if you grow up in a house where fighting happens a lot, then you tend to, to get into a relationship and continue that trend. Well, and this is something that I've learned in my research for the Academy. People have their comfort zones, whether they're good or bad. Oh, absolutely. That's why people get out of a bad relationship and get right back into another one. That's exactly the same as one they got out of. Right. Your comfort zone may be chaos. Mm -hmm. Your comfort zone may be drama. Your comfort zone may be worry. I've got a friend that her comfort zone is worry. She, that's where she's used to being. If she tries to slide out of it, it's uncomfortable. Even though she knows worrying is not good for her. Mm-hmm. You call it your emotional house. Is that what it is? Mm -hmm. 
I call it my state of homeostasis. My emotional house is not your house. <laughs> yeah. I know when we first got together, it was, took you a while to get used to somebody treating you as well as I did. Am I supposed to laugh at this part or? <laughs> I mean, look, I had some good relationships in my past, I think. You know, that's what's funny is you get 10 years out, like David and I have been together 10 years, and it's like those other relationships, that was somebody else's life. That wasn't mine. Mm-hmm. But no, I did have some good relationships, David, but you are the best. It's okay. I don't need you to reminisce about them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm very thankful for David. And it's not like we have, um, still don't have any arguments or anything, but I think after so long, you just learn to put up with each other a little bit better. What was the last time we argued? It had to be a Saturday. <laughs> we don't argue over... I don't think we argue, like, but we just might annoy each other. Yeah, I was going to say, we don't argue over things. We, I think we get annoyed over things. It's like we're not fussing about things that people would fuss about as much as it might be like... Um, you pushing my buttons. Yeah. Yeah. That, which I don't still don't understand why you're arguing about that. Okay. You, you should not hold me back from my fun. <laughs> I should not. My <laughs> angriness should not be your fun. But you shouldn't get My angry. angriness. <laughs> I'm making up words. You shouldn't, but you shouldn't get angry. Yeah. <laughs> you can hear it already just stressing out. Yeah, see? <laughs> but I have learned to nacho these things. Now, some people will say, you should not nacho your husband, or you cannot nacho your husband. Yes, I can. <laughs> I can okay. get my happy butt up, and I can walk in the room and go read a book. Or I can put my headphones on and edit podcast. But here's the thing she don't realize is when, when it's not working, you know, for me and I can't get through because she decides to, you know, quote unquote, shut me out. Then I just go for a reinforcements. And get drags my son in. I sure do. <laughs> and he can get through no matter what. <laughs> yeah, because he'll come in here and act like he's wanting to hug me or something. And then he'll just say a David remark. <laughs> All right. So we've kept y'all enough today. Yep. With our coronavirus intro. Yeah, yeah. So y'all just, you know, look out for your fellow man. Look out for yourself. Don't be crazy. Don't be stressed. Be kind. Take a deep breath. Yep. Be kind. Be patient. All those good things. Let all the good qualities about yourself shine through because this is definitely the time and the moment that it needs to happen. Be compassionate. Be considerate. Be loving. Be generous. Be helpful. Goodness. You know a lot of them. Mm-hmm. How many are you going to do? Oh, no. Can we keep going? <laughs> no. You can keep going while I close it out. Okay. All right. That is our show for today, folks. Be thoughtful. So <laughs> join us again next Friday as we talk about something other than the coronavirus. Be humble. Don't mumble. <laughs> oh, Lord. Now she's in, jumped into her MC Hammer thing. <laughs> Bye. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids Podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.